the history of BBC, from my perspective, and this is just my opinion, my perspective, but the history of BBC, from my perspective, is that the church started a number of years ago. Pastor Stone planted the church and small group of faithful people who really wanted to serve the Lord and be involved in what he was doing. And a couple years ago, about five years ago, some ministry changes and the church really started exploding in size numerically. And then about two years ago with the recession, depression and all that stuff, our numbers went down and it gave us a chance, and me specifically, to reflect on what the purpose of church was. And, and I realized that to a certain degree, I was spending too much time worrying about numbers and not enough time worrying about individual relationships. And, and I, I know because I've worked in large church, I've worked in small churches, that it doesn't really do any good to have a huge church with thousands of people who give lots of money if there's no individual relationships between the people and individual relationships between um, the people and other people doing God's ministry and doing his will for their lives. I've said it before, especially as we moved away from being completely attractional model to a missional model of church, trying to move in that direction, that I'd rather have a group, small group of people who are fully committed to following God's will than a huge crowd of people who could really only care about God when it's convenient or when it's pleasant to do so. And so one of the things that we've been doing over this series, this Dying to Serve series, is talking about how critical and how important it is that every single person that is involved in a church that claims to be a follower of Jesus is willing to serve God and be involved in ministry. I know that many of you have been taught a lie for many, many, many years. Some of you have been taught the lie longer than I've even been alive, which is that you don't really have any role to play in the church. Your job is to come and sit and maybe give money when you're asked. And, and that's really about it. But that's not what God wants for you. That's not what he wants for you. It's not what he wants for the church. What he wants for the church is for all of us to be the body of Christ and to do what he asks each of us to do. God is calling each of you to a specific ministry, to a special ministry. We're going to be talking about that finishing up here today. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do something a little different. In your bulletin this morning, there's a handout. So everybody take their handout. Now, normally the handout is sermon notes, message notes, and it's optional. You know, if you're a fill-in-the-blank kind of person, awesome. If you're more auditory learner, you don't have to fill in the notes each week. doesn't matter to me. But this week, I'm going to ask every single one of you that are here this morning to take out the handout and do the handout. We're going to have time this morning for all of us to do the handout together. Now, if you need a pencil or pen, they should be in the backs of the chairs. If you need one, you can raise your hand. Now listen, some of you are going to say, once we get started, some of you are going to say, Pastor, I've already done this. I already know the answers to this question. Fine. If you know the answer to the question, I still want you to fill out the paper. Why? Because there's going to be a lot of people on either side of you who are going to be like, I don't know if I should do this. Is this a trick? Is Pastor trying to trick me into something? No, I'm not trying to trick you into anything. I just want you to start the exploration uh, in your life, the evaluation of what God wants for you to do. So if you've never done anything like this before, do it. If you've done it a million times before, do it again so you can encourage the people around you to do it. All right, let's get started, and we'll pick up the, the handout about midway through. Well, not midway through, but about two thir one-third of the way through, we'll start with the handout. All right, dying to serve. Let's just go over this issue. Our four-week series, then, is why ministry is a must. Every single one of us must be involved in ministry if we are going to be a faithful follower of Jesus. So many times we believe the lie that we don't have anything to offer to God, but that is the farthest thing from the truth. Every single one of us has something unique and special to offer to God. 
we could just take it the way we said it also all year long with our annual idea about lukewarm Christianity. And we could say you might be a lukewarm Christian if you don't think you have anything to offer God. And so I don't want anyone here this morning to be in that category. We're going to move out of that category. We're going to get out of that category. We're not going to be lukewarm anymore. We're going to be willing to serve God, and we're going to be willing to do what he asks us to do. So, and we're, In fact, we're going to do it so much that we're going to be dying to serve. Our strategy is this. First week, we talked about why we must serve, why it's absolutely critical for us to serve, why it's critical for us to get involved in ministry. One of the things that we talked about the first week, you guys remember the chart, uh, is the fact that when we look at the times that we spend in our lives, I mean, this is an average ministry volunteer right here. And we talked about how we spend so much time serving our boss, so much time eating, sleeping, and hygiene and serving ourselves and, and everything else, like commuting and paying bills, which we hate. But a person who works in the nursery at their church one Sunday a month, this is how much time they accumulate towards serving God. Just that, right there. Now, we talked about the first week. I don't want that to be me. I don't want to stand before God and only have a sliver of my life be representative of my time with God, right? I don't want to only offer him a sliver. I don't want to say to God, yeah, I gave so much time to my mean old boss and the one you who loved me and created me, I gave you that much. So much that you can't even really see it on the screen. I don't want to be like that. I know you don't want to be like that either. So why it's absolutely critical that we all must serve and be involved in ministry. Second week, we talked about how to serve. And we're going to pick up this idea a little bit more. We talked about there's four steps to serving. Number one, we need to understand that God wants you to serve. I know, again, I know so many of you have been for years and years have been lied to about the fact that you don't have anything to offer to God. You're just supposed to come in, be quiet, sit down, do the church, and then leave. But that is not in the Bible, and that is not what God wants for you. So you've got to break yourself out of this lie. You've got to stop believing it, and you have to recognize that it is, in fact, a lie. Listen, nowhere else in the world is, are you going to receive the love and affection for doing things like you will in the church. Your boss will never go to you after you finish a project and you do it well and give you a big hug and tell you he loves you. Some of you would be very offended and say that's sexual harassment anyway. I mean, that would be a problem, right? But you're not going to get affection from your boss. You're not going to get encouragement. You're going to get encouragement to do more work so the company makes more money. But when we talk about the church, the church is the one place where you can serve, and in a healthy church, people will love you for it. People will love you because you're willing to serve and because you want to serve. Understand God wants you to do it. We're going to talk more about that this morning, that and number two. Figure out your ministry. Be willing to figure out your ministry. You know, one of the hard things about ministry is what? Is that if I talk to all of you, most of you will say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I'm just a whatever. I'm just a retired homemaker. I'm just a video game designer. I'm a computer programmer. I don't have anything that I can do for the kingdom. But that also would be totally false. And we're going to talk about why that is today. By the way, figure out your ministry is really cool because in a healthy church, you should be able to try a ministry for a while. And if it's not a good fit, move on to something else. At BBC, if someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I, don't, I want to be involved in ministry. I don't really know what to do. And I'll say, hey, well, why don't you try this for a while? You know, try and see what happens. And if you, after two months you come to me and say, hey, this is not really a good fit for me, I'm not going to be mad. Fine, I understand. It's not a good fit. Let's find something that is a good fit. Let's find what God created you to do. Number three, make sure you fit a need. That's a, a truth because sometimes uh, people in churches, they will sort of go a little bit off the beaten path and 
come up with things that are not really needs. And so that's where good counsel comes in. We talked about that. We won't deal with that again. Ask God to equip you. One of the lies, a part of that lie is that you don't have anything to offer God is because you're focusing on you, what you have, rather than focusing on what God wants to bring into your life. God didn't create you, again, to slave your life away for some corporation or whoever. God created you to love him, serve him, love other people. And he's going to give you the talents, the gifts, and the abilities to make that happen. You think that I grew out of my mama's womb coming out, speaking, being able to lead a church, being able to teach in front of church? No. Let me just recap my life for those who don't remember. I went to a military college. I was army contracted to be an army officer. I was a chemistry major in college. And when I got done with college, I, I, I started work as a chemist when I didn't want to be in the army anymore. And, and so the thing is, is that my life didn't really have much that looked like a typical church life at all. But it was only because I was seeking God more and more that God kept calling me into ministry. If you'd asked me when I was a senior in high school or freshman in college, would I ever be a pastor of a church? I'd be like, no way. There, there's no way. I mean, if you go back to my high school yearbook, and it asks you, what, where will you be in 10 years? Remember that question when you're in high school, where will you be in 10 years? I put uh, uh, that I would be a chemist working at NASA, driving a black Corvette with one wife and 2.3 children. That's what I put. But none of that happened. That was totally false. None of those things came true in 10 years. When we open our lives to God, God has a tendency to transform them and to make them something special. The thing is, the truth of it, and Paul even says it this morning, is every single person in this room right now who is a believer in Jesus has a special gift to offer everyone else in the body of Christ. And if you don't offer it to them, not only are you losing out with them, but you're losing out with yourself too because God created you to do that very thing. Last week, we talked about why we should serve, and we talked about the fact that, as an example, just one example from last week, is that time is always precious to all of us, right? Nobody has enough time, man. If there's one thing, I mean, if I had one wish, you know, the genie in the bottle thing, if I had one wish, I would wish for more time. That's what I wish for. I, I know a million dollars or whatever, tri- okay, million dollars, forget that. It'd be a trillion, right? A gazillion dollars for most of us. But no, I mean, the one thing I would wish for, I think more than anything else would be more time. Um, If I could just stop time for a little while and get caught up on all the things I need to do, that'd be what I wish for. But you know what? So much of ministry, you can make a huge impact in just a short amount of time. We talked about Operation Christmas Child last week. And Operation, I did the the message virtually for those of you who are here. And uh, we talked about Operation Christmas Child. And you spend maybe a half an hour preparing a shoebox. But that half an hour of ministry can make a lifetime of difference with a child around the world that you may never meet. But feels like there's somebody who really loves them and really cares about them. And they know that there's a God who really loves them and really cares about them. Why we should serve is because when we give just a little bit, God takes that little bit and he magnifies it in a great way to make something really special. A little time uh, will yield a big investment. All right, today we're going to look at where to serve. Where do we serve? That's going to be a question that many of you are going to have because many of you are like, dude, I'm a computer programmer. I can't do anything in church. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. There's a million things you can do in church. Some of you are going to say, I'm shy. I can't do anything in church. I've got you also as an example. Because there's a million things you also can do as well. Maybe not a million, but there's a lot. And God has a special place for each of you. All right, let's talk about this. Where to serve. We're going to see what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Now, uh, if you guys want to go and turn there in your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8, you can also turn in your iPhones as well. It'll be up on the Jumbotron or Droid or 
Uh, you could turn there or it'll be up on the Jumbotron as well. Now, let me preface Romans chapter 12 here because we want to remember as we read the Bible that the Bible is based upon context, okay? This is really, really critical. A lot of times when we read the Bible, we jump right in, we try to read the Bible, and it's like, I don't make, I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't really understand this passage. A lot of times we don't understand the passage because we don't have a basic understanding of the way the culture was in the ancient world. And I know that's difficult, but just with a little bit of work and a little bit of effort, you can understand the culture of the ancient world. Let me give you an example, and we're going to see how uh, when Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he writes to the church in Rome, that a lot of times it's definitely like BBC. I mean, we see what, what Paul says to the church at Corinth. We're like, dude, we're there. BBC is there. This morning... What was going on in Rome was very different than the culture here at BBC. So I need to just break it down, and you need to understand what's going on there so we can understand how to apply it to BBC when the culture is different. All right, let's use this right here. Because of the privilege, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I, Paul, give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Now, what is Paul saying here that we should be careful of in the context that was going on in Rome? Also, similar context in Corinth from the passage we talked about in uh, Corinthians two weeks ago. What is the context? What is he warning us of here? What do you guys think? He's saying, listen, I'm gonna, somebody shout it out. Because of the privilege, I give you each this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. What was the struggle the church in Rome was experiencing? Somebody guess. Somebody guess. What? Pride? Okay, good. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so good. So what was the context in Rome and Corinth? Well, they were big capital cities. And a lot of the people that were coming into the church, many of them were Jewish. They were used to the synagogue. They were also used to Greco-Roman worship. And a lot of times when they became believers, they would do, they, they're sort of, because they had been so long in, in, in other groups, they, they still kind of tend in that direction. And in the ancient world, guess what one thing that people always tried to do to put themselves ahead? They would try to be a leader in their church or synagogue or temple or whatever it was. They would try to be a leader. Why? Because their society said that that was a big position. Okay, like today, if we were to want to be famous, we would never go to church because then people just make fun of us here in the Bay Area, right? But in the ancient world, people would go to churches just to get a title so they could go into the community and say, I have this title. I'm this kind of person. I, I, I'm an elder at this church. And that carried a lot of weight in the ancient world. Um, it didn't matter whether it was pagan religion or Christian or Jewish religion. It didn't matter because it carried a lot of weight. Now, how is that totally different from California today? How is that totally different from at least our experience here in California? Well, in the ancient world, if the church said, hey, I want you to step up and be a leader in the church, we'll make you an elder, they had lots of people come forward to do it, whether they were qualified or not. If I did that this morning, all of you would run out the back door. If I say the C word in church in California, which is what? Commitment. Then everybody runs away because it's California because we don't want to be committed to anything. We don't want to make any kind of commitment, right? So our culture is very different from the culture in the ancient world, especially Rome and Corinth, because people there wanted to have the titles. We don't really want that. But let's interpret what Paul is saying here. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of his warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. 
Be honest in your evaluation yourselves. Measure yourself by the faith God has given us. So what are we supposed to do? What's our takeaway, even though our culture is different? We want to still go to God and ask him to evaluate ourselves so we can find out what is the ministry that we're supposed to be doing with our lives. What are we supposed to be doing with our lives? Now, here's what Paul says. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, and we talked about the metaphor two weeks ago of the body of Christ uh, being the church and also our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, which in this situation means to be able to foretell, to proclaim something, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, whatever God created you, do it and do it to the best of your ability because you will benefit yourself and you will also benefit the church around you. Now, let's talk about this and break this down. Number one, we must be willing to evaluate ourselves. I know the handout doesn't match the the message because the handout's a worksheet we're gonna do in just a couple seconds now. We must evaluate ourselves. One of the hardest things for us to do is look into the mirror and see our own good and bad. We'd like to believe that we're mostly have lots of positives and not so many negatives. But when we look in the mirror, we start to see that there are some things that we don't really like to see about ourselves. We don't like to look in the mirror. We don't want to know. I mean, we just want to put our head down and pretend that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. We want to pretend that it would never happen to us. We want to not evaluate ourselves. The thing is, though, is that one of the secrets to faith, and I don't mean like Da Vinci Code secret, but I mean one of the secrets to faith and being a faithful follower of Jesus is that we will be willing to take a hard look in the mirror and ask God, what is the things about our lives that need to change? What are the things in our lives that we need to do differently? What are the things that he has given us that are good that we need to take hold of? And what are the bad things in our lives that we need to get rid of? That's hard. That's, it's tough. It's not easy, but it's what God is calling us to do. A part of that evaluation is to ask God, what am I supposed to be doing in the church? Let me say it again and again and again. Many of you have believed the lie that you have nothing to offer to God, but I'm telling you here, and Paul is even saying it here as well, that God created every part of the body of Christ special. What that means is every person who is a believer in Jesus who comes to a church is a part of the body of Christ, and every single one of you are different, every single one of you are unique, and every single one of you have an important and unique role to play in the church. It's easy for some of you to think that I have an important role because I'm up here up front talking. But let me tell you something. The people that clean up the kitchen after service, they have just as important role as me. You know why? The ladies that do that, because if the kitchen isn't clean, the next Sunday, they can't fix anything for breakfast. They can't fix anything for breakfast. I can't eat breakfast. I can't eat breakfast. I am not going to be good at speaking. Everything's going to just go downhill from there. Why? Because the body of Christ has to work together. Every single one of you, and I know some of you are fighting me on this. I know some of you are going to say, I don't have anything to offer, Pastor. There's nothing I have. You don't know. Oh, yes, we're going to go through it. I have nothing to offer, but you do. Why? Because God created you, and he is the one who gives you the ability and the power to do something in his kingdom. You may think it's small, but it's not. It's critically important for the success of a ministry, for the success of a church. So we must be willing to evaluate ourselves. Number two, real quickly, uh, let me just read this so that we're all on the same page on the evaluate ourselves. I mean, Paul even says this. 
Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. You know, it is our faith that is the all-encompassing word that, that, that describes how much we're willing to, to believe God and his promises. I mean, if we take hold of the faith that God wants for us, we believe his promises and we step out and we're willing to serve in church, we're willing to serve in ministry, we're willing to serve other people. We do that because we know that we have a part to play. Yes, I know, your whole life people told you you weren't special, you don't have any, you don't have any real gifts, you're just average. But you know what? There's a million average people in a million churches who God can use for incredible, awesome things if they just allow God to do it in their lives. Notice I'm not saying you do it. Secondly, we must discover our gifts. And Paul talks about this, and he just used some examples. He said, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. Okay, so the body of Christ has many parts. All of you are part of the body of Christ if you're a believer. Each of you are part. I don't know what you are. Maybe William's the spleen. Maybe Rich is the pancreas. You know, maybe I'm the big toe. Well, don't matter. Whatever part you are, every single one of you have a special function to play and that is what God, and, and we are each parts of one body, and we all belong to each other, so we've got to work together on this. We must discover our gifts. Then Paul goes on, he says, in grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with much faith, if gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If you're a gift to encourage others, be encouraging. And he goes on and on as examples of us needing to take hold and discover our gifts. All right. God has given each of us unique gifts and talents. Every single one of us has something unique and special to give to God. I don't know what it is because it's between you and God. You're going to have to evaluate yourself. You're going to have to go and look in the mirror. You're going to have to ask God, God, what did you do? What, did you, what do you want me to do with my life? I can't tell you what that is because ultimately that will be between you and God. I can help, you know, because I can make suggestions, but um, just based on my experience, but really it's between you and God to decide what it is. But each of you have a unique gift and talent. The world says you're not unique. The world says just do what I say, do what I do, punch your card, do your job, don't talk, do this, do that. But God is saying, listen, your life is not that. The life, your life is not defined by your boss who may not care about you at all. Your life is defined by what God created you to do. And you don't want to spend your whole life serving some boss who could care less about you when you have the opportunity to serve some of your life and some of your time with God who cares everything for you. So God has given each of us unique gifts and talents. Again, what's the best way to discover your talents? What's the best way to discover what your ministry should be? Well, is to try different ministries. In any healthy church, any healthy church is going to tell you, look, try a ministry. If you don't like it, just try something else. Where else would you get to do that in the world? Nowhere. You know, your boss isn't going to say, hey, try to get your job done by Friday. If you don't get it done, it's okay. How many have a boss like that? Not many. Oh, okay, good. You have one boss. Okay. All right. So you're very blessed in that regard. Now, most of us don't really have bosses. Is your boss your cousin? Okay, all right, okay. All right, so, but most of us don't, don't, have, don't have bosses that are like that. Um, most of us, you know, it's just work is work, and that's what it is, and life is not always easy. But the best way to discover is just try some things. Maybe you have no idea. Maybe for so many years you've been told to sit in church and do nothing because you're not really worthy of doing anything, but just try a couple things and find out what it is that God is creating you to do. Um, you know, if you come to me and say, hey, I tried to be a greeter, I really hated it, it's all right. I'm not going to be offended. I'm just going to say, okay, cool. We scratched it off the list. Let's try something else. The only thing I will ever be disappointed in any of you 
four, besides rejecting Christ, of course, that would be huge, but would just be not trying to do any ministry because God created you to do ministry. He created you to serve him and to be involved in loving other people. And so, and it's so easy to do once you allow God to be in your life. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our worksheet. Everybody take out their worksheet if they already didn't do it. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to spend a few moments and I'm going to ask you some questions and you can fill in the blanks. Now, again, you may say, well, I've already done this before sometime in my past. Great. Do it again to encourage the people around you. You may say, well, this is dumb. I don't want to do it. Trust me. Just do it anyway. Just just humor me this morning. Do it anyway. You, you may not get all the answers this morning. Go home, take it with you. I'm not going to look at this. You're not going to hand it back to me. It's just a worksheet for you, okay? We're going to start with the hardest one and also the most important one, which is spiritual gifts. So number one, I want to ask you this question, and you write it down. Everyone, everyone get out their pen. Everyone start writing. What is your spiritual gift? What is your spiritual gift? Now, let me take a step back while some of you are filling out your spiritual gifts, and let me just say what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is what? A spiritual gift is a special ability that God has endowed us with. So when, when we become a believer in Jesus, what happens? When we become a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. And it doesn't dwell inside of us and just do nothing. It's not like a, you know, just hanging out there. But it actually encourages us and develops within us an ability to do and the ability to minister to other people. So here's the thing. Go ahead and take out your pencil and I want you to write down what you think your spiritual gift is. If you understand spiritual gifts, go and write down what you think your spiritual gift is. If you're a person who you're not really sure what spiritual gift is, uh, you heard the explanation, you're not really sure, just write down some of the things that you think maybe God created you to do. I mean, maybe you've sat in church for a long time, but you've been really concerned about people who can't find a job in the recession, depression. So maybe that's something. You could just put, I'd really like to be able to help people find jobs. So just put something for right now. Okay, so I'm going to not talk for a minute. Turn it over to you. Everybody's writing. You guys seem more skeptical in first service. Come on, you can do it. It's not going to hurt you. What are your spiritual gifts? What are your spiritual gifts? Go and take a moment, write it down, and we'll talk about it. What are your spiritual gifts? Or what are the things that you think that God may have created you to do in this world? What are your spiritual gifts? Everyone writing. I've done this plenty of times myself. What are your spiritual gifts? What are my spiritual gifts? Or what is the thing that you think maybe God's created you to do? What are my spiritual gifts? All right, let me give you some examples of spiritual gifts while you're writing. This is just some that the Bible mentions and lists. There may be others. There may be, there's other ones in the Bible even. Examples of spiritual gifts include prophecy, like foretelling, teaching, encouragement, giving, wisdom, Understanding the Bible, missions, hospitality, tongues, which from a biblical perspective generally means speaking in foreign languages for missionary activity, shepherding, things like that. These are some spiritual gifts. You may say, I don't have any of those. Don't worry, because that's not the whole and some of all of them. And these are oftentimes the greater gifts um, that God really equips some people with to be able to, to lead ministries and stuff like that. So you guys write and everybody wrote down what they, what they are? Okay, so let's give some examples. Say like you wrote down hospitality. I believe my spiritual gift is hospitality. Uh, you don't have to, don't raise your hand to this, but some of you, anybody write that down? Hospitality. Guess what some po- uh, possible ministries are for you? How about host and hostessing? I mean, that's the way you can be hospitable to people and it energize you. Uh, greeters, 
help the homeless or host a life group. Those will all be great examples of ministries that you can do based upon what God created you to do. By the way, I'm, all my examples this morning are very simple and they're BBC examples. Uh, you may be really excited about a missionary work or you may be really excited about Crisis Pregnancy Center or something like that. That's awesome. I'm just gonna use some simple examples here this morning. Simple, simple examples from church. That just makes it easiest. Let's, let's do example number two. I believe my spiritual gift is encouragement. Some of you out there feel that you can encourage other people. Okay, well, what are some possible ministries that God can use you in that you could be very involved in? Number one, greeters. What about helping people find jobs, work help? Leading a life group, that's a very encouraging ministry. Or prayer team, always need people to pray, right? And that can be something where you can encourage. Let's go on to number two. What are my talents? Everyone writing now, what are my talents? Here's the thing. When, don't think religious, okay? I know some of you are like, I'm in church, so I don't have religious talents. That's not what I'm asking you to write down. I want to know what your talents are in general, okay? What are your talents? Maybe you're good at woodworking. Um, maybe you're good at computer programming. Well, that's awesome because God can use both of those talents. Just write down the things that you're most talented at. When people ask you, what are your talents? What are your skills? Write those down. Go ahead and take a minute and write those down. You guys are more shy in first service. Come on, you can do it. What are your talents? What are some of your talents? What are some of the things that you're good at, you're skilled at? What are my talents? What are my talents? What are some things that you're skilled at? Maybe it's something that you, you enjoy doing and that you're good at too. Maybe it's a hobby. Oh, we're going to do hobbies in a minute though. What are your talents? What are your talents? All right, let's give some examples of how God can use you even, though, uh, even with your talents. Example number one, I'm good on computers. Well, God can't use someone who's good on computers, right? Wrong, totally wrong. For example, possible ministries would include like web team, tech team, city team, video team. I mean, there's so many different things. People over, over and over again, they tell me, oh, I'm good on computers, I'm introverted, you can't use me in church. But nothing could be further from the truth. God, if I had three or four really good computer guys or gals who were just awesome at computers and really passionate about ministry, we would see a major transformation in um, the way I think that we can communicate the gospel to our community, maybe to our world. So don't underestimate the talents that God has given you. There's tons of ministries that just being an introverted computer person um, can be involved in in church. Example number two, I like to work with my hands. Some of you are just you know, hands-on people. You like to work with your hands. That's awesome. God has tons of ministries for you too, like setup team, right? Especially when we move to kids building, there's always opportunities for setup. Building team, Definitely a big one, design team, that we do stuff all the time with that. I mean, there's lots and lots of ministries that you can do hands-on. You don't have to be, you can be introverted. Both those examples are introverted type examples. You can be totally introverted and you can still do it. All right, number, number three. Everybody got their pen? What are my interests? Write down your interests, your hobbies, things that you're interested in. You know, so many people, again, they tell me, well, pastor, I'm interested in things that the church can't use, but that's not true. Write down your interests. One of my pet peeves in life is this one. I hate, you never go through like a job interview and they want you to fill out the application and on it they say, what's your hobbies? And I always hate that question, hobbies, because like, I don't know what my hobbies is. And you know, one of my big hobbies, I guess, is computer games, right? Video games. But you can't really put that on the application because then they think you're going to be a slack. So what are my interests? What are, what are some things you're interested in? 
You know, it doesn't matter. If it's knitting, put knitting. If it's crocheting, put crocheting. If it's water skiing, put water skiing. If you're interested in travel, put travel, whatever it is. What are your interests? Go and write them down. What are your interests? Let's use a couple examples. Number one, let's say that you like kids. I mean, a lot of people I meet, a lot of ladies especially, they like kids. They like, they like being with kids. Possible ministries would include nursery, kids worship, Sunday school, special kids events that we have all year long. I mean, there's lots of things that we can do with kids. You like kids? Then God is, has plenty of opportunities for you to be involved in ministry. There's tons of things you can do. All right, I'm going to use me. Here we go. Number Example number two, I like video games. All right, guess what? Possible ministries that God can use you in is high school. Just come to youth group and mentor some of the kids, high school or middle school kids, play Xbox with them for a while. That's big. That's big. I mean, that's what high school group is about, playing Xbox, right? No, I mean, it's more than that. Middle school, college ministries, after college, you can't say that you like video games. It's unprofessional at that point. But up to college, you could say that you do. Life groups, right? Because like some of the life groups, even they play Wii and stuff like that after, after life group is over. There's a lot you can do. If you have that interest, whatever the interest is, there's, again, these are examples. There's so much that God can use you for if you just open your heart to him. Number four, what is my personality? Okay, what is my personality? Everybody write down some examples or descriptors of their personality. Maybe you're happy-go-lucky. Maybe you're aggressive. Maybe you're nice. Maybe you're this, maybe you're that. What are some things about your personality? Go and write down some descriptors of your personality, some, some things that people would use to describe you. How would people describe you? Write a couple examples. What is your personality? What is your personality? Write down some descriptions, some adjectives about your personality. All right, let's look at some examples of how God can use your personality in finding your ministry. Example number one, I'm shy. I know if I go through this church that a lot of you are going to use this as an excuse not to be involved in ministry. You say, Pastor, I'm shy. Okay, good. There's lots of ministries that you can be involved in. Number one, any service ministry you can be involved in because you don't really have to deal with people. You can just do it on the side. Uh, any of our weekly volunteers who come in during the week and, and do cert, uh, a variety of things during the week, you could do that easily because then you don't have to deal with people at all. You, you could just come in, do your work, and leave whenever you have time to do it. To any tech-related ministries. When we do tech-related ministries or the service-related ministries, you could be shy, but you could still be used by God. God knows you're shy, but he will still use you for ministry and he will still help you to impact people all the time. Example number two, I'm fun to be around. Some of you are like, I'm that, even though maybe you're not. But hey, for those of you that are, are possible ministries, help out with worship. Life group hosts, definitely. That's a really important part of being a life group host is being fun to be around. Greeters or any special events. I mean, every year we do, well, since two years ago, we've been doing our Christmas karaoke. Nothing says fun like Christmas karaoke and being able to invite people to that. That's a fun thing to do. And yet, you know, every year we're always like, who can help us do this? Who can help us lead this? I know there's a lot of fun people out there in our church, but they're afraid that God can't use them, but that's not the case. Number five, what are my life experiences? Just take a moment and write just one or two, say two or three life experiences that you think are really overarching in your life. Life experiences that you think are overarching in your life. Like, for example, 
with me when I was in graduate school, I had an opportunity to live with some Muslims who were from the countries that we hear about on the news. That was a life experience that kind of changed my life because it really gave me insight into what Islam is like, not in the West, but where Islam is in Islam. And uh, so that was a life experience. And I use that life experience all the time when I talk to people about the gospel because I live with them. And so I really had a first, uh, first-rate education in what it meant to be uh, a Muslim in the real sense of the word. So what are my life experiences? What are some other things your life experiences are? What do you think? Write down a couple. Well, let me give some examples. Example number one, I was bored outside the U.S. Hey, awesome. You know why that's awesome? Because God has awesome things that he can do with you. Like, let me give you an example. You can make a targeted life group. I mean, you could take a life group and focus on reaching people that also are from the same country that you were born and raised in. I mean, that would be awesome for something like that to happen. What about faith-sharing ministries? Um, you could share faith with people who also are, are not born in the U.S., who may struggle with culture, may struggle with understanding, but are trying to figure it all out now that they live in a country where they can worship God. I mean, we have one person who comes to BBC, and they share their faith all the time, constantly, with people from their country. Why? Because in the country they were born in, they weren't allowed to talk about God. God was illegal. And so they are so passionate about sharing Jesus with them. They're not rude or mean, as far as I know. They're just passionate about it because God got a hold of their heart, and they were like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be a nobody anymore, as my country told me in this particular situation. I don't want to be a nobody anymore. I want to be the person that God created me to be. Uh, English is second language ministries. We don't have one of those here. We've talked about it for years trying to start one. We'd love to do that. But there are other places around here that do uh, this uh, ministry. Like City Team, I think, probably has one, and there's others as well. But it's, it's so much you can do. If you're born outside the United States, don't worry about it. It's fine. God can still use you in a major way to make a difference in the body of Christ. Uh, example number two is I've had a hard life. Okay, some of you say, you know, I can't really do anything in ministry because I was a big sinner most of my life, or I've just had a lot of problems. You know what? It's okay because God can still use you also. Uh, let me give you an example, a life group helper. You know, maybe you're not ready to lead a life group, but you know what? There's always going to be people who are struggling with or tempted by the same hard things that you had. And you can be there as a testimony to how God pulled you through all those difficulties. A caregiving ministry, being able to help other people in that situation. Recovery ministry, uh, being able to help people uh, recover from those addictions. When I was in New York, we don't have a large one here, but when I was in New York, we had a huge recovery ministry because there were so many people who were so committed to the idea of being able to help people get over their addictions and their issues. And it's something that I would definitely like to start here. Or just giving your testimony, you know? Uh, sometimes just being able to make your testimony available to other people so that they can hear how God rescued you from your brokenness, from your hard life, that can be very powerful to a lot of people. Again, these are really simple, simple, simple examples. I'm sure if we had time to sit down individually with each of you, we could come up with greater examples, bigger examples, but these are just real simple ones that tomorrow you could start in, you could be involved in. Uh, finding your place, what are the needs? Well, that's the one I'm gonna answer, not you. The thing is, is that a lot of times, we need to also consider what is the need? What does God want me to do right now? Sometimes we'll do things that may not be our gift or our passion, but it's something that God wants us to do right now. Let me give you an example. Example number one, our church needs more helpers. Maybe that's the case. Possible ministries would be volunteer for the short term as you discover your gifts. That would be applicable to every single one of you unless you already are clear what God has created you to do. I could just do a show of hands. I'm not gonna do it. I could do a show of hands. How many of you are clear on what God wants you to do. And I suspect that only about 10 or 20% of you at most will raise your hand. Most of you are like, eh, 
really know. But this, again, is a great way to figure it out. Example number two, it should be number two. Our church needs more leaders. Well, possible ministry is to ask God to give you the ability to step forward for the challenge. Listen, I know that if I ask anyone here, most, most of you, to be a leader in a ministry, you're going to run the other way. You're going to run the other way. I mean, I've, I've, I, when I came out here to California, I hit California culture head on. I never saw people who were so scared of commitment, so scared to actually do something and to sign on the dotted line that they would do it. And yet, when we ask God to move us forward in our lives, we should desire that God will do something big with our lives, not small. How many of you want to do something small for God? Nobody, right? Nobody's going to raise their hand to that. How many of you want to do something big for God? Yeah, I know, you're scared. You don't know how. But all of us would probably say that we want to do something big for God. Well, you can. It starts small, but then once we get started being small, then we ask God to keep increasing what we can do, and God does it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells in us and empowers us, equips us. It's not you doing the ministry. It's God working through you to make the ministry happen. If you think it's all about you, you're right. You won't be able to accomplish it. It's about God working in your lives. God's gifting and love makes us die to serve, and we're finished here. Because when we realize that God has gifted us to minister, he's gifted us to serve, and that he loves us so much and desires for us to do this because, and he's demonstrated his great love for us in this way, that we want to serve, that we want to volunteer, that we want to minister, that it's something that we're, we become passionate about. We don't die to run out of church when, when pastor talks about serving. We die to get in line because we're so desirous of being serving. So here's the question. This is what it comes down to. Every single one of you have a decision to make in your life because many of you are going to try to hold on to the fear and you're going to try to hold on to the doubt and you're going to try to hold on to the lie of your life. The lie is you're not good enough, you're not special enough, you have nothing to offer God, but that is a lie. And I pray today that no one, after going through the series, no one here will hold on to that lie anymore. Every single one of you has something special to offer to God. Every single one of you have a special function in the body. It's straight from the Bible. A special function in the body of Christ. Every single one of us have that special function. We have to decide that we're going to take hold of that function. If you don't take hold of it, you're losing for yourself, but you're also losing for the people around you. You may think, Pastor, you don't know me. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm broken. I'm just an average person. But your averageness is something, if, even if that's true, is something that other people around you need. They're not going to admit it, but they need it because you're a part of the body of Christ and you have the ability to minister to those other people. So I'm just going to give a moment of, of decision here. Are you willing to serve God or are you going to stay in your fear for the rest of your life? Because fear is a powerful, powerful force that will keep you down and hold you back but it will also prevent you from living the life that God desires for you to live. Let's pray. 